The following program is a podcast1.com production. Glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you want deals, ClarkDeals.com. And when you got a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes. Free trial offer. It's Clark Rages when you sign up for a free trial offer. Next thing you know, your credit card is being charged up or your checking account is being debited. I'm going to tell you what you need to know to protect your wallet. And I want to step into you get what you pay for. Is it really a good idea when you buy electronics to buy them the way I say? Don't worry about the brand. Just buy what's cheap. Well, I have some interesting new data for you from Consumer Reports I'm going to share with you in just a half hour. Right now, though, I want to talk about something that I find amazing. I was having a conversation. Actually, I was listening to a conversation in the car with three teenagers in the car. And they were talking about the parents of one of their friends who just got this really expensive, I don't know these cars well, Land Rover, Range Rover, whatever the really, really expensive rovery thing is. And one of the teenage girls said to the others, they're so rich. Well, I couldn't let that just slide by. And I said, you know, what you drive has nothing to do with whether you're rich or poor. And they went silent as I'm talking. And I don't know it's because why are you in our conversation? We weren't talking with you or if they were actually listening to what I was saying. I was talking about the research done in that was published in the book The Millionaire Next Door that found that millionaires typically live in very modest homes and drive very basic automobiles. So that was the end of the conversation that I was involved with the teenagers, and they went back to talk, 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 whatever they were talking about. So then I'm reading a new report about what vehicles are the ones that are the ones most likely to be driven by a high-income earner. So, saw this item in USA Today. Told you so, told you so. To the teenage girls. Because here are the five vehicles that a high-income earner is most likely to drive. The Honda Civic, the Honda Pilot, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Jeep Wrangler, or a Ford F-150 pickup. Now, you can run some of these up, some in price. You can option them out. But the point is, there's not a luxury make among any of those. 
there's not a hugely expensive vehicle on the list. So often, people who drive a fancy nameplate, a luxury car, are people that are aspirational, as the marketeers call it. They haven't made it, but they're creating the trappings of having made it and what they drive. And the funny thing is, a lot of people who are worth a lot of money still run around in a basic vehicle or a used vehicle or whatever. It's just not their thing. They're not into it. And they don't spend money on that. So remember this. It's never what you spend that determines your wealth. It's what you don't spend that determines your net worth. Carlo is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing? Fine, and you? Great, thank you. How can I serve you? Well, partly out of necessity and partly out of want, my wife and I have gotten into the home flipping business. Um, I am a licensed contractor, and typically we build new homes, improvements, uh, renovations, and things like that. Um, We were kind of slow, so we purchased a house and renovated it and put it on the market, and it did well. So we did another. And my question to you is, we've been funding this out of our own savings account, and I want to kind of move away from that. So uh, what's the best way to fund these projects? What an old friend of mine refers to is you got to know about the mezzanine. Mm-hmm. That, that people who are local real estate investors doing house or two or three at a time, you need to find your way to small local banks, true community banks that have like one, two, three offices, and sit down, you and your wife sit down with the president of that bank and tell them what you've been doing, show them the track record of what you've accomplished, how you can turn these properties and make money from them and the loans that the banks that make those kind of loans make them specifically to you and they keep the loans on their own books completely different than the way normal bank lending works where it's all based on a standard formula mm-hmm. because the bank wants people like you they want to make money with you and make more money as you grow and you make more money. Right. So there, there is no specific magic formula other than something like old-timey mm-hmm. that you go in and you meet with the person the buck stops with in a, a small local bank, which is that bank president. Okay. And they, you don't need to know the terminology, but they call it keeping the loans in portfolio, that they stay on their books. And under your business plan, do you buy a property, renovate it, and turn it in less than 24 months? Uh, yeah, typically. Less than 90 days. 90 days? <clears throat> yeah. 90? Yeah. Wow. So what you'd be looking for from... The bank is is more likely some form of line of credit you'd establish with the bank where you buy a property, renovate it, and and turn it 
as quick as you can and pay off that line of credit. That sounds made to order for a small local bank. Now, I have a home equity line of credit with big banks. Um, Why not use that? Well, I was afraid to put that, you know, just leverage my, my house. Yeah, except against- except you're taking a risk regardless of how you would do it. Mm-hmm. So if you got stuck with a property, just for argument's sake, you right. buy one, you renovate it, you can't sell it, you would have renovated on the cheap because it's your own skill that did it. Right. You have something you could probably turn into a profitable rental property right away. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a case where using the home equity line of credit you have from the giant monster mega bank is a is a perfectly acceptable way for you to do it. That's an okay way to do it. Yeah. The interest rate on it will be very favorable. Are you at about 5%? floor on that or four percent i i think it's around four percent I, I actually think it was i'm not don't hold me to this because it's been a while since we've had it but i think it's prime plus one or something like that or but usually minus. usually the home equity lines come with a floor now mm-hmm. so because the prime rate's so low right and even with the plus it's still such a low rate that they tend to have a floor but in any case if you're only accessing the funds for months at a time Right. That's that's a great way for you to do this. I was just kind of hesitant to do it. I, you know, and I imagine if I went to a small bank, they're going to ask for collateral anyway. We have a, a you know a, a decent amount of equity in our home, um, and I imagine they're going to want me to leverage that anyway, aren't they? Likely, when you start out with them, yes. But mm-hmm. but you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You, the wheel right. already exists. You've got the source you need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, the worst that happens is you end up with an income-producing property instead of a flip. Right. And right. that's good, too. Yeah. So that's really neat. You know, I'm really jealous of you because I cannot fix anything myself. I volunteer with Habitat for Humanity every year, probably about 15, 20 days a year, and I never learning curve on anything. I can't do any of the things that you're able to do that generate the wealth that you and your wife are able to create. So good for you. Beth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Beth. How are you? I'm doing well. Beth, you have a question for me about a controversial website I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Hit me with it. Um, well, I'm looking at buying an airplane ticket, and I saw your segment on Skiplag, and I went on and I checked, and it would probably save me about $200. Um, but I was wondering, what's the risk that you're taking that the um, they might change? Because with the skip lag, as you told me before, the layover is actually your final destination. So what's the chances that the airline would change their flight plans and my layover would disappear and so I would be stuck without my destination? It could happen but be extremely rare. As long as it's a plane change in okay. that city, they have a need to get people to that city who run around the terminal and change planes, and you just don't take the connecting flight. And it is a technique that the airlines despise because American United and Delta use a pricing formula that in markets where they have monopoly power strength, they charge fares that are through the roof. And then markets where they compete, they charge much lower fares. So Mm -hmm. the idea of skip lag is you can go from point A to point B and then from point B to point C, at many cases, a third the cost of A to B. 
even though you've gone through A to B to get to C. And so skip lagged gives you the tools of the trade. This is a route you should try that will save you a lot of money. Now, let me tell you, the, there is always the possibility of a reroute because of bad weather, particularly during summer thunderstorm season or during winter storms. Okay. So you have to know that, that you're going to save a lot of money with a low level of risk that you're going to hate that you tried it, but very low level. Second thing is so many people are taking carry-on bags onto airplanes now mm-hmm. that a lot of people are turned back at the entry door to the aircraft and their bags are gate-checked there to your final destination, which would be point C that you're not going to. Correct. So you travel only with something small enough that can fit under the seat in front of you, okay. like a small backpack that will not be taken away from you. All right. Yeah, the other question I have regarding this is that I know with Skip Lag, they have you set up now doing one-way tickets, so the round-trip part isn't the issue, but are there any repercussions from the airlines for future purchases or anything if you... The, well, the frequent flyer is the danger, and, and airlines might try to make an example of somebody and say you violated their contract, but they're pretty busy people. They'd really have to have a real attitude. And then there's more exposure about how they're ripping people off with monopoly pricing. We got to talk. We got to talk here in today's Clark Rageous moment. When you receive a free trial offer online or however it comes your way, be wary, be aware, keep your hand tight on your wallet. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. I'll see something that's a free trial offer, and I don't walk away from it. I run. Because the whole idea of free trial offers is that people will sign up for something free. And then with their busy lives, even if they don't like it, they don't use it, whatever, they don't notice that after so many weeks or one month or whatever, They are now in an ongoing bill. And worst of all, with a free trial option, is when it's attached to your checking account and money is vanishing from your checking account. And then, as we've had the calls on our show, you cancel your free trial offer and they're still billing you. They're still taking the money. And this is a problem that I want you, if you were somebody who says, well, I, I, just, I just like getting the stuff free. Then if you use an electronic calendar or you use a paper one, do this. At least do this for yourself in your wallet. Put on your calendar when a trial offer is going to end. And if you aren't interested in continuing it, That's one of your tasks on your to-do list that day when the free trial period ends that you call and cancel. So I'll tell you, you know how I don't take anything free from anybody that I'm checking out for this show? I want you to know always unbought and unbossed that I am here to check things out without ever feeling like, oh, i got to say it's okay because they gave it to me free. No, I buy 
whatever I test, whatever I try. And there are times, though, that I will sign up for a free trial offer just to check something out, to be able to talk to you about it, and then there's no reason for me to pay for it, and it's always on my electronic calendar to cancel. So remember that. Keep it in mind, and if you know yourself that you're not getting around to canceling trial offers and trial subscriptions, don't sign up for the trial because you're never going to remember to shut the spigot off and protect your wallet. And that's Clark Rages to waste your money, right? You know, when it comes down to eating these days, everybody wants to be a little healthier. But it's not easy to shop and cook healthy. Because you have to spend all that time reading labels, and even what you see on the labels, not all the ingredients are created equal. You really need fresh, high-quality ingredients to make any kind of real difference. So it's important to know where the food is coming from. That's why Blue Apron is a savior. You see, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, even you and me. And they've got a great way of doing it, too, because for less than $10 per person per meal, you can be enjoying delicious home-cooked meals that you prepared. They give you a variety of new recipes each week that you can choose from, or you can just let their team surprise you. It's all guaranteed fresh because they've established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. And when they ship it to you, you can make it in less than 40 minutes because they only deliver the portions in the exact size that you need. When you go to choose, you can customize your recipes each week, too, based on your preferences. And they even have several delivery options that you can choose so you know when it's going to arrive. Plus... There's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. It can't get much better than that, can it? Blue Apron also guarantees their freshness. They promise every ingredient in your delivery will arrive ready to cook or they will make it right for you. So prove to your significant other or your friends or yourself that you're an amazing chef. Because you can be just by using Blue Apron. And to help you out, because you're listening to this podcast, if you check out this week's menu, you can get your first three meals free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash save. That's S-A-V-E. You'll love how good it feels. You'll love how good it tastes. And you'll love how good you feel creating incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Blueapron.com slash save. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. I'm so glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where we all learn together. Hope you learn ideas from me that help you save more and spend less. And, you know, I never want you to get ripped off. Our web address, Clark.com. When you want a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Something that comes up, I would bet it comes up on our show 20, 25 times a year. Uh, gosh, that may even be conservative how many times it comes up, where someone will call me about buying electronics. And I am like one note Clark on electronics. I'm always about, like, let's take TVs. Instead of concentrating on the brand, I say always buy the biggest screen your room can handle and don't worry about the brand name. Just make sure it has the features you want, whether it's high def or ultra high def or whatever. And... A lot of people just can't handle that. I was with a friend when he was buying a TV before last football season. And I was really trying to get him to buy 
a TV that was just a real deal. And he wouldn't do it. He had to have the Samsung. Just had to. So there are people who just go for the safety of the brand name. It's what they want. But do you get something better when you buy the brand name? Maybe, maybe not, often not. I'm looking at Consumer Reports' latest data on the most reliable and least reliable brands in the first three years that you own a television. And so looking at this list, and it's a direct ratio failure rate per hundred. Two out of every hundred fail have a you know have a uh, problem in the first three years, whatever that problem would be. Five out of a hundred have a problem, whatever. So it ranges from two out of a hundred having a problem in the first three years to ten, the worst one possible, ten out of a hundred having a problem in the first three years. Now I want you to know that is a extremely low failure rate for something you use constantly for three years. TV manufacturers are to be commended because of how reliable what they make actually is. So the brands that show to be the most reliable are some of the off brands. The brands that show to be the least reliable, some of the off brands. They're at both ends of the barbell. Hitachi, which today is an off-brand for TVs, and Sansui, an off-off-brand for TV, have the lowest breakage rate of any brand. And neither of those are brands that you'd say, guess what, I just got a Sansui TV! Nobody says that. right? So what else is, uh, that's two out of a hundred fail in three years. Again, that's tiny. The ones that 3 out of 100 fail, Panasonic, Sanyo, Dynex. Dynex is Best Buy's off-off private label. It's their their, uh, entry-level, deep-discount private label brand. Sanyo, another off-brand. Panasonic, a brand name. And as you move through the numbers, Sony has a, a... Four out of 100 failure rate. And then some other off-off brands. Emerson, 4% failure rate. Hisense, 4% failure rate. Insignia, Best Buy's high-end private label, has a higher failure rate than their low-end private label. Then we move up to 5%. Samsung, the gold standard in televisions, has a 5% failure rate. Tied with brands like Sharp, Philips, the well-known CK brand, however you say it, S-E-I-K-I, Toshiba, LG, JVC, another private label, I mean, not private label, off-off-off brand, Element. So the thing I want you to know And by the way, the worst of all, according to Consumer Reports research, is Scepter. I have a Scepter. Has a 10% failure rate. Vizio, the 
I guess, number one volume brand in the United States has a 7% failure rate. And so there is no pattern that shows off-off brand, store brand, name brand. You go with one versus another, you're automatically going to get a great TV. Doesn't work that way. So my advice stays the same. Buy the cheapest one you can get with the features you want and the largest screen size you can get. Consumer Reports says, the same people who did this research on brands, I want to read you what they said. I am disagreeing with them writing about their own research. Says, why it doesn't always pay to buy a cheap TV. Well, actually, I, didn't, I don't think I disagreed with that. Although I would say, it always pays to buy the cheap TV. Audrey's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Audrey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I have been better, Audrey. I didn't get to sleep last night because I have a sick child, so we'll see how coherent I am. I know how that goes. So how can I serve you with your child? I have a, um, a child going to college next fall, and um, we have saved the money for her college tuition and um, can pay it outright. But I've heard from um, older siblings uh, or um, cousins and friends that kids have a really hard time getting credit out of school, even four and five years out of school, with a job. And so I'm wondering if it makes sense at all for us to explore a student loan for her and then put the money that we have that um, to pay her tuition in an account that would auto-pay the student loan, and um, hopefully there wouldn't be a prepayment penalty, but um, pay it off in whatever time frame it would make sense to establish her credit. Okay, I got to give you credit for uniqueness, Audrey. (laughs) I have never had that question concerning college or paying for it or borrowing for it ever, ever, but that's really thinking ahead, trying to figure out how you get credit for a young person. And one thing is your child in college, once she has her 21st birthday, will be eligible for college student credit cards. The, there are a number of issuers from American Express to many of the banks and credit unions issue credit cards that have college student credit card programs. The college students are the most profitable segment of the entire credit card market. So even without any proof of income, just by virtue of being a full-time student, when she gets to be a sophomore, junior, whenever she turned 21, she'll be able to get credit cards. And is that the best way to do that? That is the best way to establish credit, and you won't be generating any of those interest charges trying to use the student loans as a way to get it done. Okay. Because I'm worried about her getting out and having the credit enough to, say, buy a car. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. If if she gets uh, two credit cards when she's 21, she'll have plenty of time to establish a good payment record. She'll be in great shape. Okay. And then it's the same scenario as with any credit card. 
um, use it and pay it. So use it sparingly. It. doesn't have to be used a lot. As but long as a credit it. card is used a couple of times a year, that's enough. Because there's no need to run a balance. There's no need to use it frequently. Just as long as it's showing active in a credit scoring mix, she's fine. And how great it is, I completely neglected to praise you for the hard work of saving all that money so that you can pay for her school. That is a rare, rare thing indeed. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So you have a credit-related question. I do. It's related to credit and uh, and children, uh, indirectly, just like the previous caller. Um, my wife and I have three children um, between the ages of two and seven, and one of the, our long-term goals that we'd like to do with them when they're a little older, be it you know two years from now or ten years from now, is to take a big family trip together. And I can just tell that given the kind of the day-to-day ongoing expenses that happen when, uh, as a family, that we're not going to, just knowing me, I'm not going to be able to save up that kind of money. And I think the one way we might be able to do it is through frequent flyer miles. And so I didn't know if you had a particular credit card or even another way other than a credit card to that you might recommend to get started on accumulating a whole bunch of miles long term all right great question because the danger if you accumulate miles on any of the big three full fare airlines american united or delta yeah the problem is that they keep depreciating the value of the miles Mm -hmm. so that continually you have to have more miles to get an award to redeem for travel they make Mm -hmm. it difficult to redeem for travel and so i've been preferring of late that you look at a, a card, unless you fly one of the three bigs a lot for work. Do you fly? No. So if you don't, I like a, a general card where you accumulate the equivalent of miles that you can convert to travel. And there's one in particular that has been getting the best reviews on all the credit card review sites. One in particular, it's the Barclay card arrival Plus World Elite MasterCard. What a junky name for a card. Yeah. I'm going to repeat that again. The Barclay Card Arrival Plus World Elite MasterCard. And it is considered to be the number one airline rewards card in the country today. Okay. And so with that, you accumulate miles the equivalent of miles that you can use for free travel Mm. and they have a formula about how you redeem for that free travel okay now you say with kids that are two to seven years old you're going to accumulate these miles and then take a big trip who knows looking years down the road how much that advice might change what i'd love for you to do is look at using a card like that for a couple of years and then Call me back, and let's see where the advice is at that time that might be very different. It's a deal. And there's a website I'd like you to use that I love for people to look at to shop for credit cards called creditcardtuneup.com. And you can put in your specific charge pattern, and it may come back with a very different answer based on your unique specific pattern. 
credit card tune-up just spelled out? Yeah, creditcardtuneup.com. Okay. Thanks, Clark. All right, and that's a lot. Two to seven, three kids. Mine are spread out like over a country mile. Yeah, well, mine aren't sick, though. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that hurts, but true. Jessica joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jessica. How can I serve you? I was calling because um, I just graduated from grad school in August, and I am looking to um, move out on my own, um, but I have very uh, high student loan debt, so I'm trying to find some place that's affordable, but also still safe for a, uh, a young woman. Uh, so just I have of, my you know, favorite for that. <laughs> I have my absolute favorite, and I'm going to throw something out that's like a UFO kind of thought, Okay. Okay. My favorite is for you to look in really nice neighborhoods where people, older neighborhoods, where they were built with like uh, garage apartments or carriage apartments that people tend to rent out, particularly in older neighborhoods. You might have uh, an older couple or a widower, widower who's trying to make ends meet on a fixed income and they rent out the garage or in-law suite or whatever, that you tend to be in the safest of neighborhoods. And the, the places usually, because they're older, won't be, uh, won't be very fancy, right. but very safe and tend to be more affordable rent-wise. Gotcha. Okay. I have a friend cool. who did that in Los Angeles in one of the most expensive areas in Los Angeles, an area called Westwood, and got a great, great rent simply by being in somebody's garage apartment. Wow. It was a very small apartment. (laughs) Remember when my wife and I went to see her, it was was not small enough that you could touch all four walls standing in one place, but it was pretty small, but it was a great deal. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. Something very simple, just me. <laughs> so. And so that, you know, that is my favorite, and that requires some work. I remember I used to own a home in an older neighborhood, and a young woman who had recently graduated from college had done little flyers that she put in mailboxes of homes that she could tell had what looked like garage apartments. Wow. And that's how we ended up with her as a tenant. So that's why I thought of that UFO idea right away, because it happened in my life. Okay. And is there any way, because you said it requires work, I've been looking on things like Craigslist and... um, Be really cautious. Be very cautious looking at places on Craigslist. Okay. Because particularly if somebody's renting you an unoccupied property, but sometimes you'll find good deals on condominiums renting a condo that someone's an involuntary landlord on Craigslist where they would like to sell it. You know, they've moved on to a home and they have the condo they haven't been able to sell because they may have bought it during the real estate bubble. And so a condo for rent usually is a better deal than an apartment for rent. But when something breaks in an apartment complex, in theory, you can call the management office and the maintenance person comes and fixes it when it's an individual who's renting a place they really don't want to be renting anyway, when things break, they're usually not that swift about getting them fixed, but you'll get a better deal. Gotcha. Okay. 
So try a couple of those things, and I think you'll get somewhere. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Best of luck to you. How much in student loan debt do you have? Oh, my God. Almost 100000 <laughs> Wow. Take it one step at a time, and if they're federal loans, look at my info on Clark.com. You know, if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans, knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important. Paper towels, it's beans. But for a big purchase, like a car, that kind of information isn't just helpful, it's essential. Well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy, which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a True Car certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. True Car certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertoni features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Rad, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So I spent a lot of my childhood in hospital and hospital beds. Under 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL big game winner Martellus Bennett. Guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deals. And the list with Art of Charms, Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut next up sports money with mike ozanian talking to team owners athletes and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind supreme athletic competition forbes on podcast one not just entertaining informative subscribe now at itunes and don't forget to rate review and share i'm so glad that you're with us here on the clark howard show where it's about you being empowered through knowledge so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. You want deals? We got those for you at ClarkDeals.com. I want to tell you the deal with our show. Our show is different than virtually any other talk show you'd ever listen to. This show is all about empowerment through knowledge. Plenty of other places you can go to and talk radio, obviously, for politics. That's not what we're about. We're about you being able to take more control of your own present and future. So it is my duty and my privilege to provide you with advice and guidance that help you get where you want to go with your financial goals. But there are times that, as just a a regular old guy, I will mess up, and I will give what you may feel is flawed advice, bad information, or a really rotten opinion. And that's why I need your feedback at Clark.com. We have a forum called Clark Stinks where you can go and post and let me know where I have missed the mark in your opinion. And then our producer, Krista, once a week goes through those posts and shares them with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. 
by the way, that post that happened a few weeks ago talking about the Open, how someone hated it, is still very active. People have very strong opinions about it. And Most what people are people like saying? It. Most people like it and love it. think it's cute. Bad News Cruise. Clark, my husband listens to you religiously, and I get to hear about it. He sends me links, gives me advice, etc. Most of the time, I think it's good, simple, and straightforward. But I also think it's made his hang-up about money worse. A couple of years ago, we tried to take your advice about planning cruises and waited a while before booking the one we wanted. But the price went up on a daily basis, not down the closer we got to departure date. We ended up paying a couple hundred bucks more. Fast forward to now, I went straight to your site and used some of the search engines you recommend. Not only that, but I went directly to the company sites and compared the best deals on where we would like to go, Alaska. Looked again from a different computer because I'm suspicious of cookies. Prices were up and the rooms we wanted were sold out. This waiting and last-minute deal advice might work if you don't care where you go, but we're not so traveled, and we have seen it all. My advice, plan your cruise well in advance if there is a specific place you want to visit. And then they do a facepalm emoticon. I will admit also your advice on traveling Europe was good, but we also had real difficulty using those discount websites to book our flight. If you need service, you're sunk. Chelsea. Chelsea, I am so sorry that... I frustrated you so much with the cruise stuff. So generally, uh, cruise pricing works as a barbell. You book way far in advance. You get potentially very good deals. And you book very close to departure, which is less than 21 days before departure. And you got to be opportunistic. You take whatever deal comes along. You'll tend to get the lowest rates. But if you have a specific destination in mind for a specific sailing date, don't wait. Don't wait till the last minute. And the more you wait, you do stand strong odds that the rates will go up. So the advice about waiting really, really late is for people who are like, hey, there's a deal to go to blah, blah, blah. Let's take it. On the other hand, if you know you want to go this date to this place, Waiting will cost you most of the time. Love the show, but think you gave bad advice to the guy on February 15th who wanted to help his kid out with a school loan. He said he had money and he wanted to fund a loan. You recommended he essentially take out a loan at 6% on behalf of his kid. Why pay 6% if you have money in the bank? There has to be a better approach, Jeff. Jeff, you were right on that case that I thought about that after that call. And since he had the cash, it would have made sense for him to do a loan and have a note with his son for because the idea was his son eventually wanted to pay it back, but he was actually eventually going to gift it, as I recall. So you are correct. The advice I gave came up short. While many aspects of the medical industry need reform, treating physician-patient interaction as a business transaction has unintended consequences. Patients demand and physicians comply due to fear of low satisfaction scores. This results in overuse of antibiotics, imaging not indicated, which causes radiation risks, false positives leading to unnecessary surgery, and overprescribing opiates, use of medications seen on commercials, etc. Patient, the patient may not want to hear that they are overweight. 
lack ability to overcome addictions, and shun help amongst several other scenarios. Patients may then go to the next doctor. Typical consumer tenets do not apply here. Chuck. Chuck, thank you for everything you said there. All right, so let's deal with them one by one. As I recently talked about on the show, parents demanding antibiotics for their kids when they go to the pediatrician, when they're not warranted, are creating a time bomb issue of health problems down the road for their kids. And the doctors feel like if they don't go ahead and write that script, the parents are going to be unhappy. So you are right. There are issues with uh, patient-driven health care that people will demand things that they consider to be service that aren't. The good news for you as a physician is that most patients do not go and post. There's no equivalent. I, I read a headline, a pithy headline recently. Doctors can relax. There's no equivalent of Yelp yet for medicine. <laughs> you know, there's ZocDoc, which is a place that people may go to find a doctor that has gotten some traction, but there's not any widespread use of review sites. And a doctor should feel confident and comfortable doing what's best for the patient's health rather than feeling pressured to do testing that's not necessary, write a script that's not needed, or to provide any kind of surgery that absolutely is not called for. Okay, and along medical lines, hi Clark, FYI on your comments relative to Canadian pharmacies. Nine years ago, I discovered and have been pushing the generic equivalents of Plavix and Nasonex from Canadian pharmacy meds out of Vancouver, British Columbia at a considerable cost savings. This is and has been with approvals and prescriptions from my cardiac physician, have three stents, and my ENT after sinus surgery. Clark, it's tried and true. Thank you, Ernie. So that was not actually a Clark Stinks. No, he just wanted to add that in. Thank you, Ernie. Um, And then we've got, on your Clark Stinks segment, you reiterated your belief that free trade is good. I'd agree in a perfect world, but how can American companies compete against countries that have no environmental or safety burdens, or those that can use prisoner or child labor? If the playing field is not level, one side has a huge advantage. That's why when you negotiate... Uh, bilateral or multilateral trade deals, part of the deal has to be issues with health and safety and environment. Child labor, obviously, is part of the negotiations for a country to qualify for favored treatment on trade, which favored treatment means a reduction in the punitive tariffs that are involved with selling goods to us or to another country that would be involved in a negotiation. And I know that my position on free trade is extremely unpopular right now in across the Western world, not just in the United States. And I know that makes me a throwback. But I truly believe in my heart and my head that the world ends up wealthier and safer when countries are lobbying goods at each other rather than bombs at each other. Okay, you thought that prior one wasn't Clark Stinks enough, so here you go. This one definitely is. I was listening to your program as you were praising self-driving cars. The general public appears to be very skeptical of this technology for obvious reasons. I am aware that you lean to the left, 
but was under the impression that you were some sort of consumer advocate. My best guess, you are being paid well by someone in the industry. I wouldn't trust you as far as I could throw you. It's okay. Keep on pushing, Clark. People are waking up to your deception. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What's the poster's name? Uh, It's not signed. Anonymous. You don't understand how I tick at all. Man, that's funny. Okay, so first of all, if you... I said first of all twice now. Um, There'll be a Clark Stinks about that next week. If you understood where I am with how I look at the world, I don't fit... You said lean left. I don't fit lean left. I don't fit lean right. I don't fit those kind of stereotypes at all. The greatest leaning I have is libertarian, and I am very much someone who believes that we need to create opportunities for people to thrive on their own, that the greatest opportunities to create wealth are when you allow people's creativity and enthusiasm and guts to emerge without interference from government or things like that. So I don't know where that puts me on a, on a traditional political spectrum that you see people. On the issue of self-driving cars, I am unbought and unbossed. I believe that we are going to save so many lives and prevent so many injuries with autonomous driving. We are going to reduce traffic congestion, not just here in the United States, but around the world with autonomous driving. And we are in that awkward phase of getting the technology right. And people who do use autonomous driving today are pioneers that may face an enhanced level of risk from doing it. But somebody's got to get out there and help perfect this technology so that the world will be safer and people will be able to move around easier than we do right now. Okay, this is going to be a tough one. It says double whammy CES stinker. It's about um, your broadcast from from CES, um, and they're they're throwing the name A L E X A, the Amazon device, in Alexa. here repeatedly. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> they're throwing it in there repeatedly because apparently, um, during Clark Stinks, you said it again and maybe set off their device. But what they're also saying here without me reading it, was that you, um, you know, A word, recite how Clark endorsed Costco toilet paper in this same steg- segment while on the July 20th, 2016 article with his name authoring the article, he recites Consumer Reports scores Walmart's White Cloud Strong and Soft rated highest at 77, much higher than Kirkland's 37 at Costco. Do you write your own articles on the website with your name on it? Are you really unbought? I know Costco is a really amazing store, but I hope you can clear up the change in your advice on wiping products. Okay, I don't like Kirkland Signature toilet paper. Let's get that out there right now. <laughs> I I don't buy it. I I've tried it. I don't use it. I don't. Don't like you use it in your guest rooms? No, no. Once we ran that. out of supply, we don't do that oh, anymore. Okay. Once we ran out, <laughs> so it's nice. But the <laughs> it's really nice. the White Cloud three ply from Walmart, which is very hard to find in the Walmart stores, by the way, is fantastic if you are very particular about your toilet paper the white cloud again you must get the three ply 
not only got it was the highest score from Consumer Reports, right? Mm-hmm. It is really great stuff. It's pretty expensive, but it's good. Okay. However, oh, oh, sorry. First of all, let me tell you that I love you, Clark. I've also learned so very much from your broadcast. Thank you. However, you told a man whose daughter's engagement ring had been broken how to sell her engagement ring. You told him to go to a gemologist to get the best price. What you did not tell him is that the ring does not belong to her and must return it. She must return it or the money to the boyfriend, Linda. I don't know what to say to that because I'm not a lawyer and... I don't know if when uh, engagement is broken off, what is legally supposed to happen to the ring. And I didn't want to speculate on that. I gather that you are a lawyer. Or maybe she just feels that way. Oh. That it should go. And how about you, Krista? What do you think? If an engagement breaks off? I don't know. I think it depends on the circumstances. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So we'll punt on that one for now. But I appreciate all your posts. When there's something you feel I need to be set straight on, please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can serve you better. When you have a question for me on the Clark Howard Show, go to Clark.com slash ask. Joel, who do you have an Ask Clark from? Clark, this one's from Steph. She says, do you have a recommendation for free malware for my computer? Yes. If you go look, we have a, a guide to free protection, free antivirus on ClarkHoward.com. Right where you posted the question... The two that are best known are AVG and, I don't know if you say this, Avast, A-V-A-S-T, and you can go, we've got hyperlinks for you to download the free antivirus, anti-software stuff so that you can protect your computer as best you can every time you use it. Plus, I have a narrative on suggestions how best to overall protect yourself with safe surfing habits. How about that? And Joyce says, Clark, what's a good agency for credit repair? There is no such thing as a good agency for credit repair. Credit repair is a crooked industry. There, to call it an industry is really a bad term because that gives a sense of legitimacy. Best estimate, there are more than 5,000 credit repair clowns out there, companies that claim organizations that claim that they can clean information off your credit report accurate information with uh, late pays collections and all that it is a big fat lie designed to separate you from your money don't believe any of the false claims that somebody can do that magic wand to your credit rocket mortgage by quicken loans proudly supports this podcast when it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender it's important to work with someone you can trust someone who's got your best interests in mind And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. 
Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. There's a big shift in the housing market around the country. I want to make sure you're up to date for your wallet. And I'd like to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address, clark.com slash ask, when you got something you want to run by me. So for years, the cost of real estate close into cities has been continually escalating. The article of faith has been that close in has been lower risk for you, even if it meant you didn't get a lot of square footage and you were paying a very high square footage cost price per square foot for the home you did buy. And that trend is starting to change around the country. Areas that were looked at as potentially undesirable now have become extremely hot in the real estate market. And it's all about affordability. The move that has led in many cities to a renaissance, if you will, closer in, is not dead, but the momentum is gone for that. Because younger people looking to buy a first home, and particularly if they're going to have kids or have kids, are turning away from the closer in, smaller, much more expensive per square foot housing And once again, people are pushing far out of metro areas, going into exurban areas that are suddenly fast-growing again, especially in the South and the West. In the years from 07 through about 15, there were areas where neighborhoods had started to be developed, subdivisions started to be uh, set up, that were abandoned in huge numbers and not just in the real estate bust for years after the bust those areas remained unloved till the last year and in a trend that's accelerating people are buying in metro areas but extremely far from the core of those metro areas to get affordable housing For D.R. Horton, which I think is the nation's largest home builder, they have created an entire product line specifically for price-sensitive housing where land is cheaper for them and they build a very nice house, apparently, but with far less options for you so it can be built quicker and at a significantly lower cost per square foot for them to make it and for you to buy it. D.R. Horton now is selling what they call their express homes in 20 states, in, I guess, probably around 50 metro areas around the country, 40, 50, somewhere in there. And there are a number of builders building a more streamlined product and eliminating things that people are not really jazzed about getting rid of formal dining rooms, formal living rooms, but giving people the great room effect, but fewer options so that uh, more standardization makes it easier to build someone 
a house with nice square footage but a lower cost per square foot. And it's always been said in real estate in the West, and this expression would be true across the South and the West, that people drive to the exit where they can afford the price of the home. And I remember being in Riverside County, east of Los Angeles, and this was how many months ago? And I was in an area off of I-15, or as it's referred to in Southern California, the 15, where at every exit, there were all the signs for the real estate developments and screaming how inexpensive they were with home prices starting at blah, blah, blah. And it means that people have longer commutes, sometimes ultra-long commutes, but the idea of living close to work is giving way for so many people to the dream of being able to own a home that you may not be able to do close to where you work. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. How are you? Hi, Clark. I'm doing great. Cheryl, you're moving south. Well, possibly. (laughs) I have my, actually have my husband here today. Um, Yes, he has accepted a job south of where we are now. And um, we have Is it all because the Packers lost in the NFC much, championship game? Yeah. Got more to do with the current governor. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so you're running yeah. away from Governor Walker. Where are you running to? To Kentucky. To Kentucky. Okay. So I know Cheryl's name. What's your name? I'm Bob. Bob, welcome to the Clark Howard Show. So moving to Kentucky, okay, you're going to have... Uh, Better weather in the winter, for sure. And how can I be of service with a move to Kentucky? Well, we um, have never been to that area. As close as we've been is to Lexington for some horse events. So we we know no one there. And he begins his job next Monday. And uh, so we're trying to decide owning a couple properties here. Um... Of course, he's thinking he'll rent something, but where do we go to find a reliable rental agent? So, first things first, that is absolutely the right thing to do to rent first instead of to buy. Right. Because you don't know if Kentucky's going to take, you know, if it's really where you're going to want to be. You don't know where and what community in Kentucky are you going to end up? Well, he's going to work in Louisville. In Louisville. All right. So that is uh, a big enough market that there are many, many real estate submarkets. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got to start this quest. And Bob, you really need the help of people where you're going to work in terms of giving you guidance where the safest area is to live, where the best uh, neighborhoods you should be looking at. And where you land temporarily in a rental, I think you can get enough guidance on that from people who are, who are working at the company you're going to work for. Because they, they want you to be happy there, right? Yes, they do. So I think that, that they can help you. Is it a big enough company that they might have at the office in Louisville a relocation specialist? It is a big company, but 
I've been offered cash instead of any service. Yeah, but you don't need uh, if uh, a relocation specialist is in lieu of somebody paying, let's say to to take care of your house in Wisconsin if it doesn't sell in a certain period of time and give you, um, you know, a housing instead of an allowance like you're given, put you in a executive rental for a while. That doesn't preclude them having a uh, relocation specialist who you can talk to. Yeah, we do have access to a person like that. So that's who you want to talk to and get their help to do the the make the best decisions you can on where you'll live. Because wherever you go first is a temporary residence for you, and all you have to do is make sure that it's a safe environment. Right. And it's a convenient location. And I think you'll be fine with the help of a relocation specialist. And they may, in fact, have a real estate agent they work with in Louisville that they'd be able to hook you up with to help you uh, to help you find the specific home or apartment that you would rent temporarily. Right. So uh, I think that that it's it's going to be easier than you realize. Have you moved around the country a number of times, or is this unusual for you? No, we. We've both been in Wisconsin for a long time. Ah, so there's some shell shock over this. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it'll be easier than you think. Okay. So, (laughs) seriously, it will be. It will be. I've lived in a number of places across the country, and it will be uh, less disorienting than you expect. Hmm. Okay. So, get get that person to be like your guide, your shepherd, who's the relocation assistant who you can deal with. The Internet will be a real friend for you. Google Earth, being able to see where places are. And uh, go down there and look at places. Spend a weekend looking at places, hopefully together, to figure out where you might both be happy. Do you have young children that you're relocating with, too? No. Actually, Bob would like to um, retire in a couple of years. And so that's kind of adding to the, all the question marks floating around in our heads now. Because um, we own a 10-acre place in Wisconsin. We own another home that we'd like to close on, but the closing has been delayed. So we know we don't want to own a third home. Sure. <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah, so definitely you're a renter for these couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And, and the stakes are, I'm telling you, the stakes are not high when you're renting because if you don't... If you want, you can sign a short-term lease, three or six months. If you made a bad call on where you you moved initially, you just pick up and you move again. It's going to be so much easier than you think. One thing they don't do, though, is they don't do high-fat kind of food as well in Kentucky as you're used to in Wisconsin. What? Yeah, and, and they won't have the custard for you and all that. And nobody will be wearing Packers stuff. You're going to have to get really used to basketball. Tiffany is with us. Hello, Tiffany. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Hey, Clark. Thanks so much for taking my call. Sure, Tiffany. You have a real mess you're trying to untangle. Tell me. I really am. I hope you can give me some advice here. Um, I've been a tenant at a property for a few years now, and um, I am finishing up a year lease very shortly. And over the last few weeks, I've been getting pressure to um, either re-sign another lease or to um, let them know that I'll be moving. 
um, where they'll charge me a month-to-month basis. Um, because I didn't know what my work situation was, I didn't want to sign another lease, but again, I was pressured and pressured to do so. So I signed a 12-month lease, um, but I decided I'm going to move within the next 60 days. So I gave them a 60-day notice. The new lease does not start prior to my move, and they're trying to charge me an early termination fee for a lease that hasn't started yet. So I'm trying to find out if that is if they're actually able to do that. How much is the early termination fee? Eight twenty-five. Okay. I am going to shock you. Okay. You should just smile and pay them the eight twenty-five. Okay. Let me tell you why. In mm-hmm. most states, and you live in one where this is true, once you've signed a lease, if you later change your mind you're liable for the full amount of the full term of the lease, even if it hasn't started yet. Okay. And as, and as is true in most states, if you end up breaking the lease and they re-rent it immediately, mm-hmm. all your liability is waived because the landlord only has the right to be made whole. And okay. it would be wrong for them to be able to collect twice. But right. who knows if they'd be able to re-rent it right away. And they may, if they have m- multiple units vacant, they may say, well, we're going to leave hers vacant because she's on the hook for it. And we're going to rent another one. And we're just leave Tiffany on the hook. So gotcha. paying the 825 as rotten as it feels <laughs> is the right thing to do to keep uh, your credit clear yeah. and be done with them. And I know it stings. But it's the right thing to do. But as a practical matter, what you should do is come back and say, well, I can't do eight, eight whatever. Will you release me for, for half that? Okay. Start trying to horse trade and negotiate. Any amount you get less than the 825 is to your advantage. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for the information. And I'm sorry I'm not telling you that you got to get out of jail free card here. There's not oh, one. Oh, no, it's fine. I just okay. wanted to make sure I got the correct information before making any <laughs> any determinations on what to do. So, okay. Thank you so much. All right, best to you. Can Julio is with us. Hi, Julio. How are you today? Good. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I, I serve you? Um, I own uh, Japanese card. Uh, it's a 2008 free and clear and i was thinking about getting um hybrid but i didn't know if it was worth it or not well right now if you look at what gas prices are it's not in the short term Uh but with a 2008 car doesn't that car have a lot of life left in it or do you drive a zillion miles no it only has seventy nine thousand miles right now so it's kind of a teenager now as far as cars go and lifespan. <laughs> yeah. So if you consider what the cost of ownership is, gasoline is just one part of what makes up the cost of operating a vehicle. And the cost of operating a new vehicle per mile is somewhere around 60 or so cents a mile. And right. gasoline just isn't that big a part for most of us of that 60-plus cents a mile. So I would not dump what you have. What kind of Japanese car do you have? It's an Acura TL. Oh, it's a fun car to drive. 
Yeah, it is fun to drive, that's for sure. Yeah, so, and, you know, the the Honda engines, and, you know, the Acura is all Honda engines. The Honda right. engines are considered to be the most reliable. As soon as I say that, there'll be a huge recall. But anyway, <laughs> they're considered to be the most reliable of all engines. Honda has always been so respected for its engine technology. Yes. Are you averaging about 26 miles per gallon in there? Uh, in the city, yeah, a little over 20. In the highway, uh, a little over 30. Okay. So somewhere mid-20s overall. Correct. And so if you got a hybrid, and let's say you, you went for the most fuel efficient of all the hybrids, which would be a Prius that would average, let's say, 52 miles per gallon. You'd get twice as much fuel economy in that vehicle. That fuel savings would not overcome the cost of you dumping your 2008 TL prematurely to get a hybrid. All right. So unless you're tired of the, of the TL and you want to dump it and get something else, it makes sense to just keep driving the wheels you have till you got a lot more miles on the odometer than seventy nine thousand. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. It's uh, it's a great car. It's just um, you know one of those things that uh, I was wondering if I should uh, dump it or not. Definitely not. All right, keep okay. that thing. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, world-class idiot, and raconteur extraordinaire. Join me for my new podcast, The Raven Effect. Every Monday here on the Jericho Network on Podcast One, we'll be covering current events and any and all topics that can be properly bantered. Download and listen to the show on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Hey, have you heard about that great new podcast called Fan Club? It's a short series that explores why we love what we love. In each episode, you're going to hear amazing, brilliant people across the pop culture landscape. There's musicians, artists, fashion designers, chefs, even scientists, all talking about how their work is being experienced today and how they think it'll be experienced in the future. So don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to Fan Club now at vbuyviacom.com slash fan club or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.